This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, brand new for 2015, perhaps. I'm Michael Kewell. And I'm Roger Bell West. And uh, this month we're going to talk to you about particular things, particularly rocket ships and ray guns. Pulp space! Yay! And space Nazis, because you could have space Nazis. And also strange dreams, and, and this is not a pipe, and stuff like that. Can a role-playing game be successful in Surreal? Well, maybe. Can Surrealism be a successful role-playing game? Well, I was going to <laughs> Onward. Upward. To the stars. And beyond! We were inspired by the... Uh recent bundle of holding release of Rocket Age, to look at pulp space games in general. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of an underappreciated genre, but there's a, there are interesting things in there, um, to start with. The unabashedly pulp sensibility. Yeah. There, there are several of these games that we've uh, examined for, for this, and all of them basically take the approach that there are good guys, and there are bad guys. And the proper thing to do with bad guys is punch them, Ray gun them, etc. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a return to uh, black and white morality of the night of the nineteen thirties. Exciting action and um, big heroes, and um, it, it's very much a, a retro retro thing. It's in danger at times of going into camp and being too self aware. Yeah. But on the other hand, that sort of thing can be fun. Yeah, it's the triplanetary, the John Carter of Mars, yeah. the Highland Juveniles in a slightly different angle. Yeah, it feels, in some ways, it's it's, it's Saturday morning cinema, um, Flash Gordon yep, style, that... uh, 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 style, style thing. There was a Flash Gordon role-playing game once, I think, but I don't mm -hmm. recall, it wasn't very good a long time ago. Too obscure for me, I'm afraid. Flash Gordon was... and the Warriors of Mongo, I think it was called, something like that. I suppose that makes sense. And of course, what, what, another thing these games have in common is jungles on Venus and dinosaurs. <laughs> it's not compulsory, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a traditional. Part, it's a part of all these settings. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, very much go, they very much go with the best knowledge we had then. Well, up to a point. I mean, you, you've got Arrhenius in, in the early 20th century saying, Venus has got all these clouds, mm. therefore it must be swampy. Yeah. And he kind of implied that it was going, therefore going to be something like the Congo, and so you've got all, all the uh, cultural baggage that goes yeah. with that. You know, strange, mysterious animals and poisonous plants. And yeah, that, well that goes back, that, that lasted to as late as the 1950s, look at Down There. Somebody should do a Down There role-playing game. I bet the rights would be a bit pricey even now. Well, quite. On, on the other side, you've got um, Flammarion assuming that the red surface of Mars was from red-coloured vegetation. Thus yeah. the red weed. Uh, you've got Schiaparelli observing the, well, probably actually the um, blood vessels of his eye, but the linear features on the face of Mars. <laughs> Come on. You're trying to shatter my faith in scientific <laughs> observation, aren't you, Roger? <laughs> I haven't already. Go on. This, this canali is then mistranslated as canals rather than channels. Um, and then, then you've got Percival Lowell's book, books about Mars, where he's simply assuming, well, obviously we all know about the canals, I've seen them, um, and you've got this model of Mars as a drying and cooling and dying world. 
Well, obviously the canal's irrigation works to try to hold back the desert. And you can be even more fantastical with, with the, with the outer, more recently discovered planets, because you know they're really too far away, and who knows what is, is happening on, on Uranus. Yes. Well, the, the, this kind of feed, feeds into the idea that I don't think there's ever a particularly serious theory, but there was this suggestion that planets were basically formed from matter being spun off from the sun every so often. I seem to recall reading that as serious scientific um, and, and they, they, they would move outwards by means not really explained. Okay. And don't, don't ask about angular momentum and things. But um, th this gives you the idea of Venus as a, as a young world, which is probably where the dinosaurs come from, mm -hmm. and Mars as an old world. It, it breaks down a bit after that. It's just a, a strange and interesting idea, and it's completely forgotten as an actual scientific theory. But yes. But it produces yeah, dinosaurs, so can't be bad. I think I should mention, whilst it passes through my mind, the treatment of this sort of idea in GURPS Mars, which is... Um, one, one of the treatments, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the treatments of Mars. They, they do a lot to Mars. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So what what's fun in this that we can use in role-playing game? Well, almost all of it, actually. Yeah. Um, if, if you can get into the mindset of the pulp sensibility, which I think is a big barrier for yeah. quite a lot of players, it, it's an optimistic world and... You know, the, the first of these was Space 1889 coming out in about 88, 89, when yeah. Cyberpunk was just getting going. So it, it kind of missed its... Um, uh, well, it wasn't time. of the period. It was, yeah. it was retro even then. Now, look, I've got to... Gotta... Um, you, you get a lot of things... Um, because you want people... That, you want modern players actually to play it and to be yeah. enthused about it, they, they pretty much ignore sexism. Or say, you know, it's not a problem for... Yeah, there, well, there is, there is, there, there, there is always the adventurous option, which is played up heavily in um, Castle Falkenstein and yeah. in another in another related genre. And and where there's racism at all, it's usually um, there are these Venusian natives, and we are very condescending to them in a, in a very um, blatant "this yeah. is bad" sort of way. Yeah, I was never quite happy with, with that uh, bleeding heart liberal that I am. Um, there, there, there's a lot. There's not, may not be much ra racism, but I think speciesism and colonialism came out. Yeah, the, the, the way I've seen it portrayed, it, it's if it's mentioned at all, hmm. as opposed to simply implicit, it, it's pointed out as this is a bad thing which you should not do. So yeah. certainly the more recent. But the, uh, but the, but the technologically advanced, it is a bit more nuanced, given that the, the, the ancient Mart Martian civilization, which can, in some ways, look down on the humans. Mm. And it occurs to me that Heinlein was riffing off that in um, Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah, but but it's it's still it's still we're going out and we're teaching the natives what's what. Yeah, um, the thing that I have found slightly tricky to work with, and I, I, I can either work round or simply ignore yeah. the the cultural side. I have that privilege, um, but it's very hard to build a working model of the science. Now, this is not a thing that applies to everybody. Now, I'm not saying I want to yeah. understand it, but I want to be I want to be able to use it. You want it to be consistent and the the way a spaceship typically works is you, you fuel it up with radium and you push the button and it goes. Uh yeah well well the the eighteen space eighteen eighty nine has even more problems because there is anti gravity stuff in it. And I seem to recall Marcus Rowland saying something there's, about that. There's a conservation of energy problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The perpetual motion machines, anyone? Yes. You, you can quite easily build a perpetual motion machine in space, 1889. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, 
I can see the appeal of not wanting to do full orbital mechanics calculations. I say this as somebody who can do full orbital mechanics calculations. You and Heinlein both. It, it's not, a, not an entirely trivial exercise, and it's not something you want to be doing at a gaming table. Well, quite. But what happens when you have just discovered a fiendish plot in your investigations on Mars, and you want to make sure that you get from Mars to Earth before the villains get from Venus to Earth? How do you adjudicate that? It's even yes. It, it it's purely ends up as being the G, the GM has to make something up hand waving hand, hand, hand waving. The, 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 actually, in most circumstances, the logical answer is you send a radio si signal to Earth and pray. <laughs> the, the other chap at the other end is going to be competent to to, uh, to deal with it. It's even worse if you're on the outer planets. I would have thought. Mm. So yeah, the there are are a number of um hand wavium uh, uh space drives which can be used anti gravity of one sort or another and inertialist drives of one sort or another are classics from the the 40s and 30s 40s and 50s yeah and i'd be inclined to use that the next stage on from the the, the classic victorian period is the is the pulps of the, of the of the 1930s and they have um they have a diff different feel uh, to them and, di and different background problems. Yes and no, and the, the, the game's inspired by them also, yes and no. Go on. Um, so, uh, okay, Space 1889. Alright, back to that. Is the, the, the first of these, as far as I'm aware, certainly the, the regarded as that when it came out. Unfortunately, had a terrible system. The game mechanics were just kind of clunky. Hmm. Um, Slightly odd to my mind that nobody has bought the rights to it and tried to get it back into print, but I think Frank Chadwick, who wrote it, may still regard it as his pet project. I think he's still producing fiction for it and, getting, and commercially publishing it. And yeah, so there, there is a market. They have been reprinting some of the classic adventures, ah, okay. um, I believe. But but yeah, it's an enthusiast thing. It would seem to be the sort of game which could do with uh, a refresh and a reworking in, in light of modern gaming experience. But... Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's certainly very much set in in at least a slightly modified version of its, its nominal period. I mean, it is late Victorian. Um, the various countries have colonial holdings, which they treat it very much as the way they did their historical colonial holdings on Earth. You really don't want to be in the one that Belgians own, for example. Yeah. And I, th I think where it gets most interesting is that the various sorts of Martians you've got, the the ones who are still hanging on in their in their ancient cities, which they may more or less understand. Yeah. You've got the ones who've gone completely savage and, and live out in the hills and so on. Um, but but it's it's very much what I think of as the the Raj mindset as opposed to the Wild West mindset. Mm. I'll come back to that. It, it's here are these native peoples and we are doing stuff to them for their own good. Yeah, yeah. As, as I say, it is. It's, all, it's a game that almost cries out to be done from the natives' point of view. Yeah, though there is a um, sort of semi-board game, semi-RPG that I read about recently that um, is does that, and it's a, it's a very depressing experience. Yeah, I, I would argue that if you wanted to sum up 1889 quickly, you'd call it Manners in Space. Uh, well, I, I, would, I would say... And, and Mad Invention. Yeah, and... and, 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 and uh, uh, plain tales from uh, the uh, from from uh, Olympus Mons. Mm. So six years ago now, Tales of the Solar Patrol, yeah, uh, which was published by SJ Games as a PDF. Uh, a GURPS. Uh, a GURPS, GURPS supplement. Yep. 
uh, which, which at least means it doesn't have to spend pages on introducing mm. the system. Now, th this one's pretty much explicitly inspired by the Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon style of things. Yeah. The comics as well as the film serials that I think are better known now. Uh, it, it's set fairly explicitly in the future. Mm -hmm. um, there is a united Earth. There um, always is. And basically, the, there are various colonies on other planets. They mostly seem to be um, an Earth colony rather than a British or an American or whatever. Yeah. Which I think does tend to lose a bit of flavour. Well, true. It, may, it means it, 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 it's the. It, it, my my problem with this belief is it's not centuries in the future the way that the Federation is after the Starfleet's Federation after 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 centuries of, of not just uh, different cultures on Earth but different species mingling and, and forming yeah. one, one overriding overriding culture. It, it's it's just too near in the future for all that amalgamation that have happened. But that was part of the the feel of the. Of the of the period of that 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 the change was coming, uh, nationalism were, was was coming to an end. It's especially if you if you didn't look too carefully at the nineteen thirties, you, you had ideas mm. like the League of Nations, and it yeah. might not have worked terribly well, but people thought it was a good idea. Well, the and the uh, and there was even more reason in the forties and fifties to feel that, uh, that uh, after the experiences of the Second World War to feel that. Some sort of international organisation and cooperation was a good idea, unless you, of course, you were a member of the John Birch Society or um, or a member of the United States Congress, United States uh, Congress, especially the no, Senate. Not, not all of them. Not all of them. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little bitter at times. Anyway, looking um, back to my youthful optimism, the, the the major opposed power is the Overlord of Jupiter. Oh, God, you've got to have one of those. Now that's right back to the 19, 1930s and Ming the Merciless. Uh, yeah, E. Dot Smith has it in Triplanetary that there is the mention of the adepts of North Polar Jupiter. <laughs> yeah, but he, got, he 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 changed the whole scale uh, about two books in, and yeah, yeah. This is why I'm specifically saying Triplanetary rather than Lensman. Yeah, a thing this shares with 1889, and, and indeed with the Rocket Age we'll come on to next is um, it doesn't like like a modern game have a single campaign frame. It doesn't say this is the default story of what what you do. Yeah. It pushes you reasonably hard towards the Solar Patrol. Well, uh, the, the good guys. On the, the, the military arm of United Earth who, who go off presumably under-equipped because otherwise you just have a battleship and things become easy. Um, go, go off and solve problems. Yeah. Um, they, they are all fairly military orientated. Um, this is a, there, there's, yeah. an, there's an exploration uh, frame. Yeah. But mostly it's about um, you, you are fighting against space pirates and... Um, the Overlord of Jupiter and so on, or yeah. indeed you are space pirates. That's one option. Yeah, this is a sort of a blend between Flash Gordon going off as a single hero with a few sidekicks to uh, to deal with the the Ming the Merciless and Heinlein Space Cadet, where you yeah. are. That that that's what it feels like. Yeah, remembering uh, Space Cadet, there's a certain amount of trouble gone to to make sure that they are off on their own rather than with yeah. the entire organisation backing them up. In that case, orbital mechanics are your friend. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, which is um, published last, about this point, two years ago in 2013, um, Ken Spencer's Rocket Age. Yeah, go on. Which is, in a way, curiously old fashioned. Um, because again, it doesn't have an explicit campaign frame. 
it's it gives lots of ideas. All right, hang on. Talk, talk about the setting for, for yeah, a moment. Okay. Um, this one is not set in the future. It's quite explicitly put in 1938. I mean, they, they say you can slide the date back and forth a bit, but yeah. um, you've got uh, Einstein and Tesla and Goddard collaborating yeah. to uh, invent the rocket ship, basically. Okay. Um, and Tesla goes on and invents ray guns because, hey, he's Tesla. <laughs> Here's something I prepared earlier. But this, this this means you have the setup of great powers uh, as in the run-up to the uh, Second World War. Okay, that makes it more interesting, actually. Yeah, I, I think it adds flavour, though, because um, e even leaving aside the obvious necessity for space Nazis... You've got to have space Nazis. Um, if you say, this guy is a Frenchman, hmm. then you, you set up some expectations in the players which you can then either, either play to or subvert. But you've, you've got some sort of handle. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about handles in the next section. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, the, because uh, he, he's, not, he's not just from New France, the great French colony on Mars. He, he's a real genuine Frenchman with all the, uh, all, all the cultural associations and, uh, and feelings that you may have for, for the French. Yeah, and wh whether or not they're actually valid. And, I, I, I've said before I'm in favour of um, abusing stereotypes in role-playing games mm. because it's a way of getting into something quickly. Um, but at least the stereotypes are there to abuse, where it, you, you don't really have a standard picture of the United Earth citizen. Okay, so what... So, so anyway, you, you've got some... Oh, you've, you've got a, a fairly detailed exploration of the solar system. You've got the Nazi research base on Mercury. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got the Venusian swamp and jungle and, ancient, and so on. You've got ancient ruins on the moon. You've got Mars, which is interestingly hybridised, and as far as I can see from from a fairly quick skim, the Americans are treating it as we are we are civilising the Indians, uh -huh. whereas the British are treating it as we are civilising the other Indians. <laughs> and, and and the natives were saying uh, are treating it as we're civilising these intruders. At least some of them are, yeah. Uh -huh. um, you you've also got um, the the Italians standing in for the Belgians as the people who run their colony really badly. Uh, yeah, but... Yeah, abusively or just incompetently? A bit of both. Yeah. Um, and you've got the compulsory asteroid miners, because you've got to have asteroid miners. You, mm. you, you've got um, dirigibles on, on, in the atmosphere of Jupiter for not particularly convincingly explained uh, hydrogen pockets, which you, which you will ignite with, with the drive of your rocket ship. So, so you need you need to uh, deploy a dirigible instead, because airships are cool. Yes. Even on Jupiter, they make a certain amount more sense on Jupiter. Actually, I'll take your word for it. I, no, I see, I seem to recall that that that, that something like uh, a combination between airships and um, and submarines ha has been used in science fiction on 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 Jupiter, even quite hard science fiction mm. in the past. So what's happening and where you say there isn't a central focus but what's happening where where are the places that things can happen apart from you know uh, well it, frustrating it, the plans of the of the fiendish space nazis a, a thing i quite like about it is every every location has a, has a box with its theme yeah its complication and a personality that's that happens there um so on venus for example you you have the theme of the conflict between the the incumbents and the natives yeah uh, and complications of uh, horribly toxic vegetation and such like. 
it, it gives you an idea of the sort of adventure you will have typically in this sort of place. Yeah. Uh, that, I think, in itself suggests that you probably want a, a multi-world spanning game because you want to go to all these different places. You don't want to be stuck somewhere. Well, um, so are you the crew of the USS... Um... There is, again, no standard campaign frame. There, there, you can be um, the Rocket uh, rocket Patrol, I think it is, um, who, who are ev everything from space battleships down to individual jetpacks. Who are they working for? The Americans. Oh, of course. US Rocket Rangers, that might be it. Um I, I, I think you, I really want the Royal Navy in space if I'm going to do that sort of thing. Obviously you have the Royal Navy in space. Uh, I, I regard this as vitally important for practically any game. But anyway, um, it, it doesn't have a standard campaign frame, mm. um, which is really something I don't expect of a modern game. It, it does seem to have been, become the, you must have an elevator pitch answer to what do you do in this game. Yeah, um, it, it, it helps sell it. To, it helps sell it to the GM first, and then to the, and then to the players. The, could, the the other one that's fairly significant, I think, and it, it does have several frames that it presents as possibilities, mm. um, would be interplanetary merchants. Yeah. So you're still getting in, your, your classic traveller style. You're getting into trouble, but you don't actually have the resources, the to, battleships to back you up. Well, no, that that will work. I'm not sure what you're trading between um, between Earth, Venus, and Mars, but it's a triangular route. Certain <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, and at least rocket ships are cheap to run. Well, yes. Uh, the all right. It's it, it that that is almost 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 I say believable. Yeah, the, How, the, there the, is a certain amount of modern modern sensibility wedged. I mean, there, there's a, there's a sample adventure um, yeah. on Venus, which is a conflict between the Venusian natives and their extremely beautiful and carefully crafted sacred site. And the Earthmen who want to mine the radium from underneath it, hmm. and yeah, the the adventure makes it pretty clear that um, siding siding with the Earthmen is not a, not a morally acceptable answer. Yeah. Okay. I I, I shall ask, run, run, run that with some players who have have morality. <laughs> what's the What's the system like? Is it uh, loosey goosey? Uh, it, it's or? the It's the same uh, vortex system as the new Doctor Who role playing game. Okay. Also right. published by Cubicle Seven. Uh, so you've, you've got six stats, you've got skills, um, you've, you've, you have a species and occupation package that get, get you a start on those and then some extra points to add on to them. Uh, and so you also have trays, which are yeah. kind of like advantages and disadvantages, but relatively simpler. And you, you, have a minor one, you have minor ones, you have major ones, major ones are worth two minor ones, so that's it. They're, they're, they are more like um, catchphrases or whatever they're called in Fate. Than a fully wrote, written out, but it's it's sort of a halfway comp compromise between yeah, and the, that and a GURPS. You, you don't have the thing you get in fate of saying, "I have this disadvantage. I, I I'm getting it invoked, and therefore I get a point for doing something later." Yeah. Um, uh, there were drama points. There are, there are but they, they call them story points. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you don't get those awarded for th bad things happening to you. You get them awarded for achieving stuff. You, okay. you spend them to achieve other stuff. Um, some some of it is just to get rerolls and so on, as these things usually do. Some some um, some of the psych psychic powers and so on explicitly require expenditure yeah. of story points to activate. Um, it, it's basically two d six plus stat plus skill against a target. Yeah, I, I, which is fa fairly blunt, but you know, could be worse. Uh, you've got graduated successes, um, so based on the margin, uh, if you just barely make it, you get you get a yes, but something went slightly wrong. Mm. Make it by a bit more, you get a normal success. Make it by uh, an extra amount, you get a yes and something went particularly right for you. Mm. 
Um, it does the thing that a few games have tried that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, of basically treating uh, social interaction as a different form of combat. You, know, you, you, you have... Uh, a sort I will of, hit him with my social superiority. You, you have... As, I can't remember exactly what it calls it, but it, it's basically a, a sort of social hit point thing, and when, it, when you run out of that, you're, yeah, going, well, you're going you, to give you in. You can be embarrassed out of action. Yeah. The thing that I think doesn't necessarily work terribly well. It, it's ideal for Doctor Who. Where, where you go in the round depends on what you're doing. All the people who are talking act first, then all the people who are moving, then all the people who are doing other stuff, then finally all the people who are fighting. In, in Doctor Who, which is not at all a war game, yeah, that, that it, makes sense. In, in this, where I think you are explicitly going to be fighting quite a lot of the time, I'm not sure it's really such a good fit. No. Uh, that, that was written into Doctor Who for a specific, I can't say genre if it's just one show, but for a specific theme-related reason. A feel. Yeah, yeah, because the Doctor talks, he fiddles with, the, with, with his sonic screwdriver or reverses the polarity of the neutron flow. Runs down corridors. Runs down corridors, and then the, then the shooting happens. Yeah. Okay, having taken a review of the field, is there anything here that's not being exploited is there stuff that could be be, doing, be being done better if you were thinking about doing a game in this area what would you want to see or to do I think first of all I'd, I'd consider that none of these has been desperately commercially successful that's true uh, 1889 did support a, a moderately long I think about 15 or so books of various and it has it still has its, its admirers um, and enthusiasts people the remember having fun with it Tales of the Solar Patrol was just its own book. Yeah. Um, has anything else come out for Rocket Age? I think there may be. They, one they were talking about a, a Mars book. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think so. I think the 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 it's it's early days for Rocket Age. Let's not let's not crush their their, their their young hopes just yet. Okay, but it was published in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, that's that's last year, Roger. <laughs> you don't call a role playing game. Failed until nothing has come out for five years. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking that if, if they are being active about supporting the line, then generally these days what, what you have is at least one or two supplements a year. Okay, well... It, it seems to be what people I, expect. I, I, I'm not, people, I'm not... people say that GURPS is dead because there's only been a PDF in the last six months. <laughs> that sort of situation. Well, I'm in your court on this one. I'm just saying that the perception seems to be these days that you need a lot of stuff coming out. Marketing, marketing. Yeah, I... Anyway, it's a it's a niche setting in a in a, a niche hobby. I think I think that may be the major problem. But that said, look, assuming you felt a certain amount of enthusiasm about the idea, and you did because you brought it up, <laughs> what um, what is there anything you would want to see in this sort sort of field? Anything you would want to do that hasn't been done? Oh, I, and while I remember, I'm going to m- mention Gert's Lensman because if that isn't mm, within yeah. the within the area, nothing. A fair while ago, mid nineties publication. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's a very odd and, and specific setting, and but, introduced but, the space opera combat system. Yeah, which is the easiest spaceship combat system for a role playing game I've ever used. It's like it's lovely. <laughs> it matches what players expect, even if they don't think they're players of space opera. Anyway, um, yeah, I think the the thing that um, Sailor the Sword Patrol tries to do is say. It lay out quite explicitly. Here are our miracles, and this and this these are the things that have changed the world. Yeah, and I think I would try to do something like that because I'm me. I probably would say, okay, this is the actual delta v you can get out of a rocket. Yeah, 
I'm not just going to leave it at that, of course. I, I would then go go on to say, and therefore this sort of rocket can go to here in this sort of time. Mm. If you want to go to there, you need a bigger one, and so on. But so, some sort of framework for, for the GM to say, okay, these things are possible and those things are not possible. Mm. And therefore, if somebody appears to be doing it, then they're up to something. I think one of the things is that you want... I would want there to be miracles associated with the alien cultures. Yeah. I would want there to be stuff that the GM has planted out there for them to discover. Maybe it's maybe it's the Martian equivalent of cocaine or some terrible disease or it's something wonderful that 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 um, the the ancient Martians or the 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 strange aliens who once lived on the moon have left behind it's going to change human life i mm. want that to, uh, that to be there one of the things like one of the alien races in uh, rocket age is a uh, uh, symbiotic uh, combination of plants and fungi and various other things mm. which i like i mean it, it doesn't really do much with it and they're, they're playable as, as characters so they have to have a certain amount of individuality but I, but i like the idea that's the sort of weirdness i want from a game it's not just you know the the, the, the martians are beautiful princesses whom you can whom you can seduce. Those are there as well. Yeah, yeah. Can you catch a bad case of the fungus? I didn't like this alien, but now he's growing on me. <laughs> Shouldn't have been around when he came to flower. I think there's several feels uh, uh, to this. There's the there's yeah, a I... feel there's a feel of, as you say, um, John uh, John Carter, Wario, Mars. I th- I think the core of it is gung ho action adventure. Yeah, that's true. Um, you, you're not necessarily going to be having fights all the time, but a lot of the time a fight is going to be the right answer to a problem. Mm. Seems to me the core of core of this genre. There, there may be complicated problems, but you can make a certain progress towards solving them with your fists. I, I think I think Cutlass and Blaster are yep are the are the, are the, the classic modes. You're going to have to work out some reason uh, these people with their ancient uh, technologies and high civilization are still carrying swords. Because I don't think I don't think how Swacker or Bush. They're pretty. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty doesn't say, save your life that often. I sort of want there to be uh, be, be something more and better like this. But I'm not quite sure I've seen a system that will make me fall in love with it. Yeah, and I don't think it really needs to be tied to a particular sort of system. Um, and the the, the the new Doctor Who one is relatively in favour of um, supporting a standard narrative structure as these things go. Mm. That would work. You could do it with a, with a completely narrativist system and that would still work. You just have to be explicit about the sort of structure you're after. Yeah. Or you could do it, as most of these have, with a relatively old-fashioned let's just resolve what physically happens sort of system. I, d- I don't think it really points you towards one or the other. So really whatever system somebody wanted to use yeah, I... would, would work. Yeah. Yeah, but it's about the her- heroism. It's about um, it's about saving the day. If, it, if I like Savage will, Worlds, I'd use Savage Worlds. Certainly. Yeah, I, it will tend to focus on the the mighty feud hero on on, on on the on the the warrior class as the central thing. But mm. but it is possible to balance it. I I think most of these things have at least a significant NPC scientist. Yeah. And Do- Doctor Zarkov in Flash Gordon is a PC. Yeah, he, he's a PC who's come to an agreement with the GM of I'm going to be able to invent these things, but not those things, because I'm not going to break the universe. But yeah, he, he he is coming up with stuff and doing heroic things on his own. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the 
e even if in, in the original film serial he's very clearly Dr. Zarkov of the Tipperary Zarkovs, but uh, never mind. His mother is <laughs> Yeah, um, all right. A good review of the of the field, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff here that can be that Well, can, add, add to my list of campaigns that, that I will at some point run, maybe. Uh, a while back, I ran a steampunk adventure, hmm. uh, Edwardian steampunk. So in in the run up to the Great War, yeah. is the, is the setting. But the British have had flying ships for a few years, and other people are copying them. Hmm. So what we had was was the Royal Navy over Afghanistan. Yes, and you just come down here, mate. <laughs> and it does occur to me that what uh, one of the things one could do with that uh, is is extend that a few years, and so. You, you get the Great War somewhat modified because flying ships intrinsically don't lend themselves to trench warfare. Yeah. Um, but in, in, in assuming it goes something like the historical one, in that there is a big war and people don't want to have that happen again for a while, Yeah. you, you can then start developing the planetary stuff in between war years and then take Rocket Age's idea of having it set just before the Second World War, or at least while, while a major conflict is clearly building. Yeah, that's actually something Rocket Age kind of lacks. I mean, yes, it's it's got evil space Nazis do, doing all sorts of horrific experiments, but it it doesn't really push the uh, political side very much. It, it seems to me that yeah, it's if, a, it, you, you can fight you can fight evil aliens, fair enough, but yeah. fighting evil humans is also interesting. Yeah, the feeling of encirclement which drove the Germans into the first and se second wars. Is slightly weakened if you can go up instead of out. Yep. And uh, if you if you've got if you've got a chance to grab some Lebensraum off planet, well, doesn't that make more sense? Yeah, it's it's going to be more expensive than a colony on Earth by definition. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the it's argued that one one of the problems from Germany's point of view was that everybody else had grabbed colonies and it hadn't. In the early twentieth yeah. century, so it, if it, that might well suggest, in, in with this sort of timing, it makes a great leap outwards in the twenties and grabs colonies faster than anybody else because it, it wants to catch up. Yeah. So then you have you have on on Mars, say, an, an aggressive Germany that is actively expanding its territory hmm. for reasons that it considers entirely reasonable. If they they make the leap out in the nineteen twenties, you may have the last remains of the Weimar Republic on Mars. Yeah, um, and, at, and, at the very and least, the, if the and Nazis, the home government sending in people to oppress them. If the Nazis show up at all, they'll be showing up in quite a different shape, yeah. because rather than being a reaction to total economic collapse, they will be let us spring out and do this stuff for the future. It's going to be a bit of a different uh, it would be, mindset. Yeah, in, in fact, I mean, we're taking this entirely seriously if we're trying to model the economic effects on the 1920s of the discovery of, of rocket ships. Well, I'm sorry, but this is this is the sort of thing I do. I know, it is. It, 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 it's something I like anyway. It's, it's some, something that the people I play with regularly seem to enjoy. It's being able to discover, yes, this actually makes sense. We, ha we haven't just taken 1938 and pasted on radi yeah. radium blasters. Being fair, that's not what any of these settings have done. They have put a bit of thought into it. But but I I, I love doing this. It's the bit of world building I really enjoy. You know, if this is different, then what what's the effect on that and the other thing? And will this be the same shape or will it be? Yeah. But, it, it's the fun bit for me. Well, I like I like to concentrate on the. 
I like that to have been done in the background. I do think about it, but I like to concentrate on the immediate player interface. I where am I now? What am I seeing? And what do I get to do? Yeah. And that's um, and and top of this, what you're doing is implicit in the background of what I'm doing. But I want to build up from the desired um, <laughs> the, the desired. I am standing in a, in a room facing a four armed man uh, with a sword and a blaster in my hand. Back up to 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 um, the justification so that this happens anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the way. That's the way to do it. Let us move on. I want to say at the start of this next section that I it may go against our. Um, editorial policy of trying to say nice things in places um and i'm i I, and it poses a question which i sort of expect the answer to be uh, that roger's going to give me to be is no however the thing that started this was me going up to london to dragon meet the big free christmas role-playing games event uh and they're meeting a couple of people who said to me i bought uh, Dream Hounds of Paris, because it's such a high concept um, game, um, and not because I ever expect to be able to run it. But it's yeah. such a wonderful idea that I had to have it, and um, I have that. I have that feeling sometimes. I, I backed the Dracula dossier, I've only at PDF level because I think it's such, just such a wonderful idea, not because I ever expect to find a group of players I'm going to be able to play it with. But yeah. now. The the thing I'm going to be slightly negative about isn't uh, Dreamhounds of Paris, but let me tell you about it anyway. It's a setting for uh, Trail of Cthulhu, set in the 1930s amongst the Surrealists of uh, Paris, who were an art movement, a uh, uh, movement in art and literature, which attempted very basically to use unconscious imagery, unconscious forces, the ideas of dreams, in order to create a, a change of consciousness, which they viewed as a revolutionary thing, which would change the future. They're all r- mostly rather left-wing, except Dali, who um, uh, uh, flip-flopped to the other side as um, patronage and uh, personal circumstance dictated. And what Ro- Robin and Ken Haidt have put together is uh, an idea in which um, the the surrealists discover the dreamlands, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's dreamlands, and discover that they really can affect reality by manipulating dreams. As I understand it, you're playing the historical surrealists, no? yes, for the most part, for particular per, particular uh, people in particular circumstances, and that's why I'm not going to uh, include that in my criticism of what I'm about to say. It occurred to me, could you have? A, re- a surrealist uh, role-playing game. Not a role-playing game uh, that is about surrealism, even one that where where the, the, one of the central mechanics is our dreams shape reality, but um, something that goes from the start and attempts to be surrealist and regard base reality as merely a deception and uh, a thing to be transcended. 
Uh, wasn't there a horror game along those lines? Uh, um, I th- you may be referring to uh, the uh, Wonderland JAGS, which basically um, had a, had the idea that the, that going down the uh, going down the rabbit hole involved catching a mind bending or reality bending virus, which caused you to your true self to drop into this nightmare reality deeper and deeper and more and more unpleasant as it got as you got down the levels and basically uh, a, a game about going bonkers at the end yes <laughs> <laughs> but not as the full process there's also which I've mentioned before a game called Itris Bai which is a very a, a, a city out of a dream I think is the best way I, I can I can describe it it's a fairly well detailed and realised city. I'm not sure I would be comfortable playing it, but it is a piece of surrealist art. But the reason I think I'm not comfortable about playing it is that I'm not sure you can base art on dreams, not directly. It's very difficult to do. There's a thing Neil Gaiman said, which he said uh, um, that when he was looking for inspiration... He, uh, people recommended he, he try looking in his dreams, and he said he tried that, but it was all nonsense, so he just sort of wrote things down, which is, yep. for, for somebody who's writing a lot about dreams, is, is, a, little, is a little disconcerting. But all right, here's the question, Roger, okay. to which I expect the answer now. Can you make a surrealist role-playing game? Can I make one? Almost certainly Can not. one? Can one? I think it is possible. Okay. Um and one one would start, or at least I, I would start if I were trying this, by saying that a lot of the point of surrealism is deliberately breaking existing orthodoxies. True, yeah. So it might almost start as a, as a parody of standard RPG setup. Go on. Um, all, all the things that you take for granted in RPGs Which are? would be up for grabs, like you ha- you have a single character who has some reasonably consistent stats and skills and things. Hmm. I could quite easily see a, a game where you jump from character to character doing different things. Oh, yes. You would need... Yes. There are... Oh, hang on. First, uh, maybe with a sort of consistent consciousness between them, because there's there's an entity that you're playing, but maybe not. All right, well, that makes me think of... Well, there, there's a game in which... I think it's called Everybody. Everybody is Roger, or something like that, in which you are playing the different um, personalities of somebody with multiple personality disorder. Um, there's also the option of playing a um, one of the angels, or for that matter, one of the demons in in Nominee, whose shtick is their guard, and they possess people either for the Lord or for the devil. You know. Pending. Yeah, though that's not the core cool theme of the game. That's a, a part of that, what that, the PC a, has. Yeah, but if you were, oh, that's it. It's an interesting thought. If you were the spark of um, of something, the the soul, the eternal spirit, which is a very pared down thing, and you were jumping into different places, different. Yeah, but still, at core, there is a real reality to you. And I'm not sure that's, yeah. And and your reality derives from, how much of your reality derives from what you are eternally? 
and how much of it derives from your particular circumstances. I think you want very... to push it towards the latter for, for this. Yeah, because because it would be yeah, but but in surrealism, it's not just the people who are changing; it's it's the world. It's uh, it, it's uh, the the example that was that particularly drove me towards this uh, was Nobilis, which um, I've, I've been trying, really very hard trying, to read the third edition of, um, uh, since I, I, I got it in the same bundle that I got um, Rocket Age. Mm. And it is, uh, it is very hard. You are playing a mortal human being who has been infused by one of the higher powers with one of its aspects. And suddenly you are the power of sunsets or of hanging on or bananas. And you mm. are in charge of that uh, because the higher power has got other things to do and you've just been delegated. You're no longer mortal. You can work miracles. Presumably ones related to your... Uh, related, well, primarily related to your, to your, to your estate, the, to the things that you, you do. But it's it's proving exceedingly hard for me to get it into my head. A lot of the... I'm not quite sure which way around this works better. And I've got two examples, both by the same author. As far as I've got, there was a lot of stuff about... of background. There was more than your one side of A4, Roger. There was a lot. Yeah. A lot more about the backgrounds and the nature of the worlds and the nature of true reality behind everything. And I got the feeling that was just what I needed to know to start setting and, and playing adventures, mm. chapters and chapters of it. And then we got to the uh, to the to the game mechanics, which are still doing my head in no end as I try and work my way through it. And then I looked at her subsequent book uh, work, uh, Jenna Moran's sub subsequent work, which is Chobo's uh, marvelous wish granting engine, which you might might like because it's sort of has a sort of Japanese anime feel to it. But that starts by telling you about the mechanics with only vague outlines of, of the of the setting, which is lightweight. And that's doing my head in even more because the mechanics are even more complex. It's both both are diceless, which adds a level level of comp complication for me. But hang on. But this is what causes me difficulty. Because there is nothing fixed about the world, I can't fix what it is that I can do with the game. Yeah, the, the thing that strikes me just from what you've said so far um, from Nobilis is that the, same, the problem that you, you talked about with um, HeroQuest. Yeah. You you have... The equivalent if, in HeroQuest terms would be you have mastery of sunsets. Hmm. So you are then hunting for a way to, to use your sunsets power to do everything. Yeah, well, that is so a problem. I, I would expect the game to try to do something to stop that. Uh, well, yeah, being, being I, I, a... it probably does, and probably, if I can force it into, into my head, um, I will find out eventually. But hang, hang on, uh, Jenna Moran also wrote the uh, least half of the um, second edition Exalted book, The Fair Folk. Now that's set uh, with that's about the the creatures of chaos who live at the fringes of reality and creep in. And try and um, and try and subvert it and return it to chaos. Okay. Um, they're called the Raksha after the Indian um, shapeshifting uh, monsters. Mm -hmm. 
And when I read that, it did my head in no end because you know what Exalted was like, how clunky and, and peculiar the rules were. I've mostly managed to avoid them, but yeah. Uh, well, t t take my word for it. But then you would imagine that, that that for something that can subvert reality, you're playing something that's coming into reality to bugger it up. You want a simple hand-waving type system, which I think is maybe at core is what's trying to happen in, uh, in in the Billis. I can but certainly see it drifting in the direction of, well, let's just sit down and collaboratively tell the story. Yeah. On the other hand, you've got actual rules with contents like this. This is from my review. The contents are like, quote, Raksha forged the cup grace as they contemplate how small they are. It is the grace of parasites and symbiotes, the cup of consolation, the grail of good service, and, unquote, and then, quote, the self and the world are one, and patterns of motion in the wild are reflected in waves of change rippling and scraping against the Raksha's essence. And those are the specifications of actual charms, actual deeds, things that the Raksha can do in the game. Do I get a plus one or not? <laughs> you may get a... My next remark has been cut due to it being not entirely friendly and, and helpful. I'm just saying that these games are making me think, making me understand why other people loathe metaphysics as a, as, as, as a, as a, I mean, I'm not that enthused about metaphysics myself. I'm more interested in moral philosophy, but issues like, is it, so, is this a futile thing? Am I bashing my head against something that, that I, I, I'm never going to be able to pull into, into reality or what? I think, just in terms of the sort of thing I do, I'm quite a lot further from this than you are. Yeah, I know, I know that. You are, you are the same and balanced one of this partnership. Perhaps excessively so. But consistency is something I keep banging on about. You do, yeah. And this is, by definition, a, a setup where consistency is not particularly what? valued. And you, you can say broadly, I'm the person who does things to do with sunsets. Yeah. But, you know, just because I made the sunset half an hour early yesterday doesn't mean I can necessarily do it today. No. Because there are all sorts of other things feeding into whether it is appropriate for that to happen at this point. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what I mean by uh, going in a narrativist direction. Yeah, there are... The thing is, I burst into narrativism from time to time when I decide, look, this turning out this way is just, just too right. But my sense of what is right is rooted in my sense of what the story is about and what the world is like. And things as abstracted as this, I'm having great difficulty with. And I'm, I'm depressed because there are people I know and respect who love this stuff and mm -hmm. are finding it easy to use and easy to intuit. And I'm finding myself reaching the end of my ageing brain's tether. Yeah, I, I've read um, write-ups of games in of Nobilis and um, Tuba, and they just don't seem to make sense to me. I mean, there is there is a description on the page yeah. of, of what happened in the game world, yeah. and I cannot map that to something that an actual player did. Okay. So, yeah, a a, a, a game game write-up which says, and then he hit him with his sword. It's one sort of thing. And the game write-up uh, which says, and then he transcended beauty by bringing the sunset on half an hour early. 
or something along those lines. Right. Yeah, but uh, but I could I could still understand why somebody might want to bring the sunset on half an hour early if I could get my face around what these games are about. I will say um, that that reading some of the things in Chubo has started my brain thinking about things I want to do in in, in started my brain thinking. Did I just say that? You did. Oh, good grief. Um, about um, things I want to do in games. She says things about emoting um, as a as a game practice, as as something to be encouraged, and um, and about uh, the uses uses of melodrama, um, which make me make me think about wanting to include that. Hey, there, there's some there's there's a role playing genre that hasn't been done. The tying, tying young ladies to railroad tracks and twirling in the stuff. <laughs> I want more of that. It probably, happens, with, it probably happens in Space 1889. What's that word with, word with Marcus Rowland about that? He, he, he should think about it. He that. would be the bloke for that, yeah. But all right, am I? Is there a, is there a way to get at this? Or is, is, is the surrealism just beyond my hour limits? My answer to this sort of thing when there is a game I don't understand is, is to find somebody who's good at it and, and play in his game. Yeah, we, 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 I've got a backed up list of, of, of those. <laughs> but seriously, I, I think if, if the uh, text is not conveying its meaning to you, it's it's not it's it's then it's, it's, it's find, find, try to find another another source for the same meaning. It's as hard to get into my head as as Arya Canticle of the Monomyth was, and that was trying to do everything in a concrete way, and failing to do anything, and this is trying to do nothing or something or maybe more than everything, and it's doing my head in. All right, all right. I, d I don't want this to be a complaint. I want somebody to tell me what's really cool about these games and make me make me love them. But it's not working at the moment. Yeah, it. it as far as I've drifted into this side of things at all, I, I I tend to think it's much much better as a one shot than in a in a long term game where you have to try to look up consider consequences of earlier actions because they just don't necessarily connect. There should be consequences. I thought that. Role-playing games are about actions and consequences, mm. and unless I've got a frame in which that works, I do recall reading in Aslan many years ago uh, Andrew Wilston uh, saying that he'd been in a game of surrealism in which people were playing things like a hyper-intelligent shade of the colour blue, and mm -hmm. he said they had to take it very, very slowly and carefully. And sit around thinking a lot about what they were going to do and what they had just done, and I suspect that would be true if you could find a group of players who were really enthused on this. But you know, I don't want to spoil anybody's fun. I'm just saying. I'm not yeah, if it. if you are enjoying this, tell us. Try to explain to 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 us uh, aging gamers how it works. Please. <laughs> All right. Well, have we got anything more positive to say? Um, or shall we move on to something else? Well, I. I thought you were originally going to talk about the use of it, of this sort of thing um, within a game and dreamscapes and so on. Well, yeah, that is another issue, one which I, I did want to come, uh, come back to. We mentioned before the use of visions and oracles and that, that sort of thing. I think it's very difficult to get the feeling of dream into any work of art. There's only a few that I know that have really evoked 
the feeling of, of what some of my dreams feel like, I would mention, unfortunately, they're both quite unpleasant. I would, I would mention The Third Policeman, um, which is, um, spoiler alert here, which is about damnation. And, um, and, uh, Grant Morrison's The Filth, which is a comic book about, well, it's either about a cosmic, uh, patrol or it's about an old man dying of cancer whilst, uh, whilst absorbing in a large amount of online pornography. But it does feel like it, and look like a dream when I look at the, uh, look at the comic. The trouble is when I do dreams, they tend to be to a purpose to filter something into the, into the game world to provide clues, information. People are visiting you in their, in your dreams, and that's very utilitarian in a way. Whereas I think, I think there ought to be a, a more purely artistic way to, to work it in. I don't know. I have seen, I've, I can think of one, one example in, in a game that I played in that I thought worked very well. Oh. Um, in, in the mage setting. Yeah, now you, there, you, there's, you, there's you, a game which have, touches on transcendental matters. You, you have, uh, steps of becoming more enlightened. Yeah. Ah, um, uh, yes. So what, what, what the GM did on, on at least one occasion was say, okay, th this particular, um, PC has, has paid the points is getting, mm. getting this game. And so briefed the other players. Yeah. That the beginning of the session was going to be his, his dream in which he would be achieve enlightenment. The other players were playing themselves, well, their own characters, but slightly stereotyped versions of their own characters. Yeah. And things gradually got weird up to the point where the player realised, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite beautiful. I, well, that's still, it's, it's serving the purpose of the game. But, but it, it is, yeah. Uh, I did do, to one particularly obnoxious character in one of my uh, games, I did do the full A Christmas Carol. I scrooged him. <laughs> um, and had the had the other other players play the the, the people in his past, uh, who uh, who uh, who were there to berate him and uh, and and uh, recall him to his shame, and it worked quite it worked quite well. Yes, the, the, the combination of these two suggests to me that a dream is basically one person's experience, and if if you're going to make it into a full party experience, you you need to tweak things somehow. Yeah, the yeah the the dreamer is. In a dream, the dreamer is the definition of the reality and his obsessions and his... Um, you could use something like dreamwalking with an NPC target to explore, to try and cure. You could do... Um, wasn't there a Zelazny story about a, a man who walked in people's dreams? There was, and it was very, very loosely adapted in, into a film, uh, yeah. Dreamscape, yeah, early 80s. That could be a game... Um, a game set up in which you are the equivalent of the miniaturised people in, in Fantastic Voyage, but you're jumping into somebody's uh, subconscious in, uh, to fix it instead. Yeah, it, it's a good idea. How much how much does it have in the way of legs for a campaign? And are, are you going to have your um, unhappy person of the week? Yeah, quite. Um, it, it, if people are interested in that sort of thing, and if a GM was really deeply obsessed with it, you could probably make it work. But, uh, I, but, but, I've, but I've, still... seen it, I've seen it show up as a minor element in things like Dark Conspiracy, where you've got some psychic powers that uh, yeah. involve... Yeah, it, it's easier to invade somebody's dreams than just to um, invade, invade their minds when they're awake. Yeah, um, so, so I, I've, I've done minor elements of it in my current Laundry game, 
because normally uh, because the dream dreamlands are part of of the of Strossi's version of well, at least the game's version of Strossi's version of, <laughs> uh, of Lovecraft. Alright, yeah. The, when there are no rules, when there are no fixed points, why is it a game? I think is what I have to. By ask. some definitions, it isn't a game. It's but well, by some definitions, what we, none of what we do um, it, it is a game. But there are gamist elements in it, and we're probably stronger at the gamist end than than, than some other GMs are. I can, I can see the the Nobilis and Chuobo setup working better as a collaboratively written story. Uh-huh. By, uh, but then I can see uh, even as a play by post game. And I can't see where sitting around the table and interacting with others. On the other hand, emoting is very important in it. I wonder whether perhaps it's um, whether one is more of an improvisational actor or more of an author because I I at least like to be able to take time away and think about things that are going to be complicated. Yeah. Um, I suppose I'm more of an improvisational actor, but I am aware as a GM that I'd have to bring in authorial elements from time to time, but this doesn't have a feel of having, apart from the initial setup, doesn't have a feel of having an authorial set of assumptions about the universe. And that's um, and, uh, uh, and that's slightly worrying to me. I don't know where to dig in. I don't, I don't have, as I was, we were saying earlier, I don't have a handle. Yep. And handles are important. You can pick things up by them. <laughs> I, I prefer to think of it as a loose thread, but I'm more destructive by nature. <laughs> the only point of a loose thread is if you can weave it back together again. Hey. Anyway. Anyway, um, I'm sorry if that was negative. Please tell us about the positive things. Absolutely, yeah. That was Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. Uh, this is me, Michael Q. And me, Roger Bell West. And if you'd like to tell us about your world-changing dreams or plans to ride a rocket to the outer solar system and your timetable, therefore, please, you can uh, comment on the website or send us a message at podcast at tekeli.ly. And we look forward to speaking to you again next time.